there was uh, a bombing could have happened in a hotel in Kabul and we're all on actions. It is a war zone and my phone could ring at my desk. I pick it up because my daughter had a direct line to where I was. Mum, I can't find the school socks. And it doesn't matter where you are, your, if school socks are the most important things on that day, school socks are the most important things. And it's taking like those 30 seconds to make sure that she was aware that she was priority. Today, let's be real about mental health with Kylie Michelle. In this episode, we chat about life as a woman in the Defence Forces, being a mum while on deployment in battle zones, the processes and traumas of exiting the forces, and plenty more. Kylie is now a change maker in our community as a life educator through her Let's Be Real programs, which are designed to empower. This podcast is recorded on the land of Wulgarugaba and Bindal people. We pay our respect to elders past, present and future. Can we talk about Let's Be Real? We can. Um, Let's Be Real started firstly as a blog and um, I I sought out a um, happiness coach to deal with my mental health and in my week of my... Um, uh, what is it called? Yeah, spontaneous week. I had to do a spontaneous act every day. And the last day I'd written, I had to write a story about me, you know, the fabulous life of Kylie. And I'd written it out and, you know, gave it to my coach and he goes, this has to be shared with everyone. Everyone has to read this. Um, and on the very last day of my spontaneous week, I actually put out a blog. And the name of the blog was Let's Sit Loosely With That. And I named it that because the psychologists I was seeing at the time, every time you would go in and you know how psychologists have a word, you know, like, let's unpack that. Or let's, his, hers was, let's sit loosely with that. And I like it for some reason that really resonated with me because it was like I let go of this gripping and I go, okay, all right, let's sit loosely with it. And it started from that. And I started sharing that blog and I started sharing my story and I started sharing how I wasn't okay and that it was okay not to be okay. And I had such a response. All these people were messaging me and they were liking it and, you know, and it was all from social media. And then I'd realized that it had to go further. I needed to do more. And as I grew with my mental health care and my journey, I realized that I could give so much more. And that's where I, I started the Let's Be Real, just from my own healing. But it also stems from, you know, my military time on being the round peg that didn't fit into the square hole. So you finished school and you went into the army? I, actually, the Navy. I'm from South Australia, so Mount Gambia. Um, very tough, no money type family. Um, the university wasn't even talked about, considered an option. It was you would get a job, you know, and look at that. I did Navy cadets. Um, my mum my actually came home and we all had to do something in school holidays. She came home with a brochure for Navy cadets. So my sister had done brownies and I tried brownies and um, they sat in circles singing songs and I couldn't do that. So I joined Navy cadets and for me that was that desire to join like the army, um, the Navy and then the army. 
I'd finished school and I joined the Navy and it was purely because I wanted to get out of my hometown. Like I wanted to, I actually wanted to sail the world and um, I thought this is great. I'm joining the Navy. I'm going to travel the world. Um, and I got to Melbourne, <laughs> Cerberus, and um, and then I got posted up to Coonawarra, so in Darwin and that. So yeah, I joined the Navy and I did five years full time in the Navy. And what roles did you play in the Navy? Um, I was an officer's steward. So uh, basically the hospitality that I all did through school, um, when you got to recruiting, they very much sort of directed you. But when I was in Darwin, I was for the valet for Head of Northern Command. Uh, I was one of the first female valet, so female driver who'd never had one before didn't like the idea. So he actually sent me on a driving course purely because I was a female um, with the Northern Territory Police. And I can tell you, it was like the best three days of my Navy um, career because I just in this, like the car with the flags and a skid pan doing all sorts of stuff with the Northern Territory Police. So it was like, great. (laughs) Yeah, totally good fun. And then, so did you get to sail the world? No, a few trips on patrol boats and things like that, but no, I didn't get to sail the world. (laughs) So when you got out, so you left the Navy? I left the Navy and because I didn't get to sail the world, I thought, oh, well, I'll work my way around the world. I got a job with Qantas, um, like we got staff discount with Qantas and then we, I worked in hotels, so we managed to do, uh, you know, travelling that sort of way. So we did that for ages. How did you navigate that with a child? So I had, so I got married at 21 and then 27 I had my daughter um, and I realised then, I was in um, Darwin, that this job is really hard. You do need a tribe and you need a family. So I moved to Brisbane with my daughter um, when she was young because that's where um, her dad's family was and so we could have that support. So we moved there and that's when I needed realised that I needed to do sort of my own thing for a bit as well so I could be with um, my daughter. And the company that I ended up working for, they were Um, a family company they were like I would bring my daughter in I'd work from home I remember changing her nappy on the boss's desk you know all sorts of stuff probably Alicia wouldn't want me saying that but (laughs) uh yeah so we I sort of adjusted I didn't want to sort of leave her I was um very much you know loved being the whole mum so you entered the re-entered the workforce at 34 after you had your daughter I did lots of little jobs um in between but 34 was when I picked up having a career again um, and that's joining the army and I only joined the army because it was wanting to do a job that made a difference I didn't want to go and do any job if I was going to be separated from my daughter I didn't want if I was spending time away from her it had to be important I wasn't going to just do a job for income if I was going to spend time away from her I had to make a difference and that's why I chose army do you think that was also to influence your daughter massively as well yeah uh, definitely I remember a time um, in Brisbane um, a couple of Blackhawk choppers landed on base and she was on base with me and when they stepped out they'd taken off their helmets and it was a female pilot and um, my daughter's um, little little at this stage because mommy it's a girl it's a girl so very much because being a single mum you want to be this wonderful influence and and show that you can do anything and so I think yeah I did do it the hard way and go you can do anything and so that's yeah was to influence her 
And in your time in the army, you had several roles. Yeah, I loved the welfare side of it. Um, Look, you know, the sexual ethics educator um, is a really big thing. So within diversity itself, within the Defence Force, understanding things like consent and what's right and what's wrong and all that sort of thing, um, it was something that was really important to me. I wanted everyone to be educated so that they made good choices because if we make good choices, then, you know, life obviously is going to be easier. And I'd seen people make bad choices and what happened to them, males and females, and it was to help to help them. So I did it in a way that was was fun and, you know, we're trying to be real about it before even I knew that what Let's Be Real would be about. Um, I was trying to make it very real. So I remember talking, I had 300 infantry guys and I'm trying to talk to them about sex and consent. And they did everything they can to embarrass me. And I was blushing and all that sort of stuff as well but we have to have those real conversations and I talked about my own life like what does consent look like with my partner you know what does that mean and I think that's where I sort of got them back with you know someone talking so real instead of just talking off a presentation it's like let's bring it into reality what does it actually look like so embarrassing but funny being a sexual ethics educator but so needed and so important absolutely yeah so you also given the name of the soldier that hugged <laughs> yes what, what, what's that, what was that story how did that come to be um so i deployed to afghanistan um i think 2017 and um the toughest thing was like I, you know, you put on a mask, you know, we see soldiers with the cam paint and everything on. It's it's very much you mask up, you have to be a certain way, you you know, you need to. Inside this Kylie, besides, you know, the the one in uniform, there's a very nurturing, caring, loving soul. And I am the biggest hugger. My daughter would get squeezed every single day. My role in Afghanistan was to meet and greet every Australian and Kiwi that entered into Kabul. And when um, they arrived, there was this one young girl that looked absolutely terrible. And without even thinking, I just walked up to her and I said, do you want a hug? And she just looked at me and she was like, yes. And I hugged her. But as I pulled away from her, everyone was looking at me. We're in a war zone. We're all in uniform. This is not normal. You don't just go around hugging everyone. You're you masked up. Game on. Um, so what I did was I made it like it was normal. So I just turned around to the next person. It's like, yay, hug. Hi, how are you? You know, and then sort of just made it that I hugged everyone and I was just the weirdo and it wasn't to take the attention off this girl that she needed the hug. And then that became a thing and then like someone would go, oh no, you hug everyone, hello, or, you know, and that, and I ended up hugging everyone when they came in and then I hugged them as they left. And then that grew to doing little tours on my bus around the base and, you know, um, trying to be the fun guide and, and all that sort of stuff to change the culture, to give that little bit of a break so people can exhale. So we could just be normal human beings and, and, and have a space that we could talk. Um, and I worked with the commandos over there. And when I went to hug one of them, they like were like, no lady. <laughs> take a step back um but in the end I won them over and they all you know hugged and stuff and the day that I left so nine months later they um 
they did a little line of honor and every single one of them hugged me goodbye and it was like the most sweetest thing it was like yes i can make change i can make the tough guys fall and stuff and then when we got back to dubai which is the our big base where our forward you know forwarding base um then the um the joint task um, force commander he gave me a silver commendation for my work in um kabul now the certificate doesn't say hugging but i know that's what it was for is because i changed that culture i made a space where people could talk and have a moment just to be real or talk about you know um, things that were going on at home and and that because i needed it and they also needed it we're also human you know? how old was your daughter when you went to afghan so so to the so still doing high school so like year 10 um and it's really quite interesting all this stuff could be happening and you know like uh there was a, a bombing could have happened in a hotel in kabul and we're all on actions people need to go everywhere do certain things it is a war zone and all these things going my phone could ring at my desk i pick it up because my daughter had a direct line to where i was mum i can't find the spare school socks and it, it doesn't matter where you are and it doesn't matter who you are your if school socks are the most important things on that day school socks are the most important things on that day and it's taking like those 30 seconds in the kindest way you know to make sure that she was aware that she was priority as well so i had to well in the background of you you've <laughs> <laughs> they don't know what's happening in the background you know she just needs something she can't find it she wants to talk and it's really important to do that and if i could and honestly sometimes instead of saying i don't have time 30 seconds things can be done very quickly and i think i learned that um very early on my very first deployment was they had the sex conversation at school so over skype i had to have the the mother daughter sex conversation where the girls that i had to share a room with they're sort of behind a, um, a curtain laughing because of the conversation i'm having so parenting why skype parenting i call this and then in Afghanistan, um, Alicia got her first boyfriend. I had to meet her first boyfriend over Skype. So as I'm like still parenting and, you know, I've got to meet that. How do you be the mum and the dad and everything when you're in another country and all that? So it's like, well, let's get on Skype. Let's meet him. You know, OK, I might have had my pistol on and stuff and felt tough and brave while I'm having the conversation, you know. And then I think I rang his mum to say these are the rules and this and you know it, it just doesn't stop parenting doesn't stop no matter where you are um you know and it doesn't matter that you're in afghanistan you're dealing with whatever's lost in the house you're dealing with homework you're dealing with you know getting a boyfriend and you know you have to be able to overcome that but i think all women do this they're so adaptable like careers working like i agree last week i was in a in a meeting full of important people and I got a message from my son and I thought, oh, he never messages me during the day. Like something must not be okay. <laughs> and I opened it up, just instinctively opened it up. And it was really mum, a chicken burger with a sad face emoji. <laughs> so I had no bread that day and I couldn't make him lunch. So I ordered him tuck shop. <laughs> but he was so disgruntled that I ordered him a chicken burger. <laughs> And I just, and, and I started laughing and everyone looked at me and I had to compose myself and I thought, oh, you, 
Yeah. Oh, look, I, sorry, I fail, is... son. I, I ordered your tuck shop today. I'm really sorry that <laughs> I ordered the wrong thing. <laughs> look, they keep me so damn grounded, you know, like um, it didn't matter that I was deploying. She, she actually was the one, as I was getting in the taxi, and the first chapter of the book is so emotional of me leaving her and getting in the taxi. She's the one's like, come on, mum, suck it up, get brave, let's go, you know, and... Just she's been like that my whole entire life. Um, she's held it together and and all that sort of thing. What a rock! I know. And so yeah, it's like so it, it very much has been this beautiful relationship between us. So when she needs something, then she needs something. And I, it sometimes it is just that ten seconds of looking at a message or a thirty second conversation, and then you know, and then we're done. Or you know, just saying. Yeah, okay, I hear you, but I just can't discuss it right now. Like in two hours, I can call you back and we can go into it further. And if we just hear them acknowledge and we, you know, do that, then they're okay. It's when we're not listening, it's like when things go south. So your final role in the defence was um, the recruiter and it was a teachery kind of role. Yeah, I got asked to come, um, I was going to take 12 months leave without pay and really decide what I wanted to do. But I got a phone call asking if I would consider doing the women in defence recruiting role. And kind of like, I guess, where teachers believe if they if they teach prep, maybe they can make a difference or something. I had this spark go, if I could just get them before they joined, I could make a difference. Um, and what was the difference you wanted to make? To give them a voice, to know that, you know, feminine is powerful, um, you know, that diversity matters, um, to, you know, to stand strong, to believe in yourselves and that as well, and not to be overwhelmed when, you know, you're entering the Defence Force, because we are 75% male and 25% female, and we need, you know, those girls to, one, not be, you know, with some people are very easily led it's like let's look at the role you want why do you want to do that you know why is that important to you not because someone tells you or not because there's a glossy brochure like what's really important for you because that's where you end up seeing a lot of people needing a sea change because they're not happy in their career it's like how can we get them happy in their career so let's ask the tough questions in the beginning let's empower them right from the start and yes i i did things differently to the other recruiters and it was great and i it was something that was wonderful so yeah so when did you make the decision to exit the defense or what what was the moment that you went i'm good i realized it was such a big wheel like i was trying to push and change so much and um and yes I know that it takes one person to make change, but I realized what I was doing. I was constricted by the rules that I went, if I stepped out and I did my way, completely 100% my way, I can actually make change. And that's, I think it was probably my performance reports that you get each year. It's like you you do things that aren't normal, you're nurturing and this and, you know, like- Was so. that considered stepping outside of your lane? Yeah. Totally. And that's a no-no. That would be a no-no. Yeah, well, it is. There is a reason we need to conform and there's a reason we need to do, you know, when we're given a order, we need to be able to do it. But I think we also need to look at what it looks like when we're in battle compared to when we look like we're on base. We need people to think for themselves and, you know, um, 
I stepped out of my lane probably one too many times, had one too many conversations with bosses and I went, I need to do this myself, like so I could be happy. And um, then I knew it was going to be 100% me and I wasn't restricted. So, yeah. So what was that like then coming out of defence? Because you're in an industry where you're told how you can move, how you can blink, when you can blink. (laughs) Um, And it's so routine, regimental driven. How do you go from having that? You break down. It's what what happens. You have a breakdown because you go from something so regimental and then you're sort of, you're left alone. Um, And I think all those things and in that space and in that quiet space that you now find yourself in, all those things start to come up. Like I used to say driving to work on Monday mornings, oh, I just wish I could build a pillow fort and stay in it, you know, for the day. So that's what I did. I built a pillow fort. I didn't have routine. I went to bed and got up and stuff when I wanted. I didn't eat at set times. And I tried, it was kind of like anarchy. I probably like was this naughty teenager. It was like, if there's a rule, I'm breaking it. Like, you know, for me, it was um, being told after I left defence that I had um, PTSD and it was... I didn't think I deserved, you know, that's for, um, you know, particular um, soldiers that have gone through horrific things. And you don't think what you go through that is horrific. You don't think the experiences are and you really do shove things right down and you get on with it. And it was when I had to unpack it after leaving Defence, leaving Army, it was the first time I actually got to unpack it. It was a realisation then um, when everything started coming out and I was given a space to deal with it all. It, it, it was a complete hit the wall. It was um, learning, you know, understanding PTSD, understanding that it was okay to, you know, to say that I had PTSD. Um, and then to my family to have a language and to be able to talk about it and to be able to grow from it um that's been like the hardest thing and i've been diagnosed my family now has to deal with a complete you know this this military soldier mum that kept everything together and then all of a sudden i've hit a wall and it's a complete breakdown and where i could be um the anxiety through the roof or you know yelling or you know um complete can't get out of bed crying and you know this is where I had such support my family we learned to talk about it we made it okay and then changed so I actually now tell people that I have post-traumatic success because that there changed me completely and I've managed to grow and do things that I don't think I would have if you know my psychologist didn't diagnose me with PTSD so yeah. What would you like to see change in that space then for people who are coming out of such a regimental career, whether it's army or whether it's something else, how would you, what would be your advice for people? Look, I think it is the integration into the community. Um, you know, for me, seeing the ladies on Friday afternoon with their gorgeous handbags and heels while I'm in my boots and cams going, how do you become that? You know, for me as a female, female networking events that I am sort of part of the community so that I can have this identity that just isn't a uniform. And I met different um, people, uh, you know, different networking circles, you know, which helped me heal, which helped me grow, which helped me learn more. I think it's a better integration we 
step outside of the defence and then all we do is go into our sort of defence support circles. Um, if we want to be in this community, we have to be part of the community. We have to seriously be brave and courageous and step out, out, out of our comfort zone, put on a skirt instead of, you know, um, wearing cams and heels and a handbag and try it out. That's where we'll feel supported in our own community and our own community wants to do it. I've reached out so many times to the people of Townsville here and they are so embracing. They want to pull you in and help you and all that sort of stuff. So after you built your pillow fort? <laughs> and, I read a few you, books. <laughs> I read a few books and rebelled and probably ate a few chocolates. Yep. What supports did you use then to pull yourself through it? Look, I had a fantastic circle of support of allied health, but what I ended up doing and COVID occurred was um, I ended up writing a book. I wrote a book about the hugging soldier and parenting from a war zone and I used COVID to do that and I kept reaching out to that support circle. I kept saying when I wasn't okay, writing it out and you know um, speaking up all the time and I just you know I, I hope people do that more often that's what I'd love to see the speaking up. And speaking up is such a hard thing to do for some people too isn't it? For some it can come really easily and naturally but for some, it, it's just so hard. So I suppose for people in our community, it's also recognising the signs. Yeah, but creating a space that this this space, whether a safe space or a brave space, that people feel that it's okay to speak up. Because, you know, um, that's what occurred for me. I had these women create a space. They were there. They built the foundations for this wonderful space that I could speak up. So we all need to listen, you know, to each other so that we are creating that space that people feel comfortable to speak up. The Business Women's Circle which you're a part of, what support did that provide for you? Look, the ladies within that circle are just absolutely amazing. Um, you know, they are absolutely adorable, as in they're, they're supportive. They want to see you win. They want to see you grow. Um, they're there if you need advice. And, you know, they also showcase these amazing women all the time. And the Live Love Leap. Yeah, Lead Love Leap, Kylie Bartlett. She was probably my first rock as in I did meditation classes with her for about a year. Uh, she created such a space that was so supportive that I could come, you know, cry, lie there, meditate, wherever. But the she created a space um, with the circle of women that was very supportive and empowering. So, yeah. So I was going to ask, how are you now? Look, honestly, I have good days and bad days. I'm not going to lie. There is days that the anxiety still goes through the roof. Um, you know, when there's too much change for me or too much noise or things like that, I still struggle um, going to my chiropractor. My chiropractor's leaving and I have to have a new one. Like Nelly put me in tears and it's all the anxiety of the new person and dealing with that. And that's just stuff with mental health. And I now just talk about it because... You know, people that don't, um, you know, have PTSD and they are just anxiety and things like that, they're still all dealing with the same stuff. No one likes a new hairdresser or, you know, chiropractor. So we're all, it's very much similar. It's, um, 
I, I do have good and bad days, but I have a family that I can talk to and I have friends that I can talk to and I have veterans that I can, you know, um, totally understand where I'm coming from. So on my bad days, I reach out and I talk and if I need an hour of like, I'm just going to have, you know, um, a little cry and maybe have a bath and just chill um they're like that'd be over turning on the music and we'll dance around the house my daughter definitely knows that works for me so i think i'm just more aware of myself and my feelings and my emotions and knowing when i reach out prior to anything big sort of hitting me how old's your daughter now my daughter is 21 uh no 22 she'll like turning 22 soon um and she has she's been my registered carer for a few years in the fact that she's the one that is very um able to bring me down very quickly so um she's in a good way in a good way like as in calm calm me down very quickly and with the kindest simplest smallest amount of words you know she has this real knack um she's studying psychology i think she's on the right track uh she's yeah she is big part of this community as well she is um been doing lots of things in townsville and that after we dragged her back from melbourne and stuff so i wonder who influenced her i don't know i haven't (laughs) (laughs) she loves change as well (laughs) so what's next for you Look, I have the book that I wrote during COVID. We're still going through the structural edit, looking for a publisher to publish that. And that's Parenting from a War Zone and what that was like. I've written, you know, at least another 12 chapters. There's two more books in me that I definitely have. Um, Did you ever see yourself writing a book years ago? No, no, I didn't. But like, I'm, it is so therapeutic and I've enjoyed it so much. And I've made a whole writing friend circle now as well. Like I get on Zoom and talk to different writing friends. They're all civilians. They're not military. They don't understand. They're reading the chapters because they're my editors, like as I'm going along and they're ringing and they're like, they're crying and they're, you know, calling me and are you okay? And I'm going, this was 2017. Like we're, we're past this now, you know, they're writing fiction and it's all completely different stuff, but you know um it's so enjoyable it's part of you know who i am you know now and i can't wait to have my book published and share that can't wait to like you know be writing more and um and then keep writing different kylie style programs that you know aren't restricted and you know and doing that and i have one launching next month so rising without anger so that's coming out next month as well so yeah how do people get in touch with it uh, so you can jump on www.letsbereal.com.au and you just follow the bouncing ball and you can get onto it that way. That's cool. Thank you for being brave and sharing <laughs> your story. Oh, you are welcome. Brave is jointly funded by the Commonwealth and Queensland governments under the Disaster Recovery Funding Arrangements. This podcast is produced by Damien Lawarden.